with all of the terrible events of the past weeks, bombings and mass shootings, people are clamoring for solutions, certain that their solutions are the right ones. Close the borders, tighten the gun laws, more boots on the ground, and the arguing begins. The 24-hour news cycle ensures that we learn every detail, whether we want it or not. We post articles on Facebook, and we respond to those articles, and then the flame wars begin. I can assure you that the new adage, never read the comments, is especially true right now. In a time of fear, of anger, of anxiety, it's tempting to comment, to share, to post, to argue, to vilify. But perhaps, perhaps what is needed at least for a moment, at least for this Advent, is silence. In a time such as this, though, it, calling for quiet, for silence even, can seem countercultural, perhaps even politically irresponsible. After all, shouldn't we be raising our voices against injustice, against those who are intolerant, against those who are wrong? But this Sunday, the second of Advent, the Sunday dedicated to noisy John the Baptist. I was struck not so much by John's adamant calls to repent as I was by the experience of John's father, the priest Zechariah, whose beautiful canticle, Benedictus Dominus Deus, we sang in place of the psalm today. This song of Zechariah comes only after a long, long period of silence. Let me provide some background. You see, Zechariah is a priest married to Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. Both are righteous and blameless, and both are getting on in years. Now, being a priest meant that Zechariah was part of the upper class, and it also meant that he served in a kind of priestly reserve, sort of like the army reserves. Every now and then, priests would get called up to serve at the temple in Jerusalem. During Zechariah's service, he was chosen to go into the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn the incense, and so he went in as the people who gathered to worship waited outside. While he was alone in the sanctuary, an angel appeared, startling and scaring Zechariah. Don't be afraid, the angel said, of course, as angels always do. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give birth to your son, and you must name him John. He'll be a joy and a delight to you. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will bring many people back to the Lord. Understandably, Zechariah was skeptical. How can I be sure of this? My wife and I are very old. 
the angel reveals, I am Gabriel. I was sent to bring this good news to you. What I have spoken will come true. But then Gabriel, a little annoyed by Zechariah's disbelief, declares, because you didn't believe, you will remain silent, unable to speak until the day when these things happen. And zap, Gabriel hits the mutant but button on Zechariah. And Zechariah comes out of the sanctuary silent. The people realize he must have had a vision and soon Elizabeth does become pregnant. And over the next nine months, many things happen. Gabriel appears to Mary, telling her that she too will have a child. And Mary visits her kinswoman, Elizabeth, and the baby, John the Baptist, leaps in Elizabeth's womb at her appearing. And Elizabeth speaks the words that are now our Hail Mary, and Mary sings Magnificat. And all this time, Zechariah is silent, so silent that we hear nothing from or even about him. And I wonder what is happening for Zechariah during this long time of silence. During those nine months as he watches his wife's belly grow as they prepare to welcome an infant in their home, what's going on in his mind? Does he wish during this time, during Roman occupation, that he could raise up his voice? Wishes that he could encourage others to political action, to revolution? As a priest, does he want to encourage people to more sincere worship? Is he cursing himself for goofing up his one visit with an angel? Is he embarrassed? that as a priest, he showed such little faith in the power of God. After all the years of childlessness, what is he longing to say to Elizabeth? Perhaps he realizes that because he is quiet, others finally have room to speak. After all, we finally hear from the women, Elizabeth and Mary. But perhaps after the first few weeks, his anger at being silenced, those initial fears and worries start to quiet. Perhaps he moves into something deeper, more prayerful. Perhaps you have had to be silent, unable to talk to a loved one who is far away or who has died. Perhaps you have had to be silent about a secret that you dared not share, about a hurt that you were afraid to reveal. Imagine being silent for a long, 
long time, the time it takes to create a life, nine months as you watched life revolve around you, saw unspeakable horrors occur, and saw unspeakable beauty and loveliness emerge. When you were able to speak, what would you say? Well, here's what Zechariah says after nine months of silence. Looking at his infant son, suddenly Zechariah is able to speak again, and he began praising the Lord with the beautiful words of the Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. After nine months of silence, he sings of trust in God, praising God for saving us from enemies, for showing mercy to our ancestors and to us, for freeing us to love God, to grow in holiness and righteousness. In a time of fear and violence, Zechariah sings of hope in God's protection and redemption. And then Zechariah sings right to his infant son. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation and forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our way. In our feet into the way of peace. This verse of the song foretells the coming of the Messiah still growing in Mary's womb, the baby for whom the infant John will one day smooth the path, the one who brings salvation through forgiveness of sin. Zechariah sings of the hope of all our hearts, we who too often dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death, Zechariah sings of God's dream for us, which is to guide our feet to the ways of peace. This peace, this shalom, the peace that the world cannot give but can only be found in God is what Zechariah sings of after so many months of silence. There is much to worry about, beloved. There's much to be anxious about these days, all days. There's much to fear and much to talk about, much to argue about, 
And we do need to raise our voices. But perhaps just for a moment, just for this season, a little silence is in order. And on this second Sunday of Advent, I have one promise and I have one wish for you. A promise. Our God has come to set us free, free from fear, free from hate, free from sin. A wish. I wish that even in the days of darkness, even in the shadow of death, that you may know peace. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace that the world cannot give. The deep peace of God. Amen.